Today's episode is brought to you by VidAngel. VidAngel helps you set customizable filters to remove profanity, blasphemy, sexual content, violence, and more from thousands of TV shows and movies all within their super user-friendly app. I love movies. You guys all know this. I love movies. I love TV shows. I love my kids. And I really love showing movies and TV shows to my kids. And I really love VidAngel because it helps me show the movies that I know and I love to my kids without having to worry about the content. Because you know how sometimes like you have those movies that you grew up watching and then you like show them to an audience and you're like, oh wait, I totally forgot that that like weird sketchy part happened. Like recently I really wanted to show my daughter Josie and the Pussycats and I was trying to think, I'm like, okay, I watched this movie a lot when I was younger. So surely like it's fine for my daughter. My daughter is obsessed with pop stars right now. This is a perfect fit. Turns out, turns out, the early 2000s were a different time for movie watching and the jokes went straight over my head and I was sitting there watching it with my six-year-old and I was like, oh, let's turn this off. But with VidAngel, you don't have to do that because VidAngel lets you set customizable filters before you even start watching something so then you know when you're sitting down to watch your show or your movie that it's not going to have anything in it that you don't want to see or you don't want to hear or you don't want your kids to hear, etc. Anyway, I love the service. I think that it's like super useful and I was so excited when they reached out and they asked if I wanted to partner with them and help promote it to my followers and my listeners because I think it's a really helpful tool to kind of have in your back pocket for when you want to watch things with, you know, your children or with a group. So VidAngel is offering a free two-week trial to listeners of I Just Want to Chat. Just go on to VidAngel.com and use the promo code WANTACHAT for a free two-week trial. It's no commitment. You could try it for two weeks, and if it's not a good fit for you, you could totally unsubscribe. But I'm confident that if you're somebody that likes to kind of monitor the content that you have in your own home or that you watch yourself, that VidAngel will be a really useful tool for you to have. So use my promo code WANTACHAT for a free two-week trial, and I hope that you love it. Happy streaming. Now on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the I Just Want to Chat podcast. I'm Mary, and today we are gathered here today to talk, to speak about one of Taylor Swift's best albums of all time, Speak Now. Speak Now, Taylor's version, is coming out in just about a week now, and I can't wait. I'm so excited. I think the one I'm excited the most about is Dear John, right? Like, that's one that we're all the most excited about, but I'm also so excited to hear her sing um, Last Kiss. That's going to be a really good one. But anyway, I wanted to come on here today for a couple of reasons, but mainly I just wanted to give everybody a companion guide to listen to the album and uh, kind of have in the back of your brain what each of these songs are about. And that leads me to topic number two. I'm re-recording this intro days after I recorded this podcast because I, when I first recorded the pod, I gave this really long rambly introduction that ended up being seven minutes long about how I know more about Taylor Swift than everybody and it sounded annoying and long-winded and also like kind of mean but what I mean by I know more about Taylor Swift than everybody is that sounds mean but what I mean is lately on the internet it's become very trendy to hop on the Taylor Swift bandwagon like there's all these people that I've never heard, and I mean, I'm not gatekeeping the world's biggest pop star here. That's not what I'm trying to say. But there's a lot of people trying to be the authority on Taylor Swift news. And they're just kind of regurgitating wrong information. And my toxic trait is that I can't 
just like leave well enough alone and when somebody is like saying things that are wrong and I think I know more than them it drives me actually bonkers so I've watched so many TikToks lately of people talking about Dear John or they're talking about aspects of Speak Now or they're like the song Speak Now was inspired by Haley Williams no it's not it's not it's not we'll get into that one later but um I, I I've been like squirming like every single time I hear a TikTok trying to explain something about Speak Now. So I knew that this episode was necessary. And also I've done this on my TikTok before. On my TikTok at I Just Want to Chat podcast, I have breakdowns of every Taylor Swift album and like what each song is about on there. So you could go check those out. But my Speak Now one is definitely like the most popular, I think, because Speak Now is kind of like the most like lyrically dense. Again, we'll get into that more on a different on like the clip that I recorded a couple days ago but anyway I'm coming to you today just because I want to make sure that there's a oral historical record of what every single song on Taylor Swift's speak album speak album the speak album speak now is about because it is a masterpiece and I don't want anybody to get anything twisted and also because I'm obnoxious and I'm like I know more than you which again it's rude for me to say that but it's just like you got to know your strengths, right? Like I, I'm good at only a few things in this world. Like I, I don't know. Like I think I'm a pretty good friend. I hope I'm a good friend. I'm a good mom. And I'm really, really good at knowing literally every single thing there is to know about Taylor Swift or at least her music. Anyway, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Um, I hope that I didn't repeat anything in this part that you'll now hear on the portion that I recorded a couple days ago, but I'm too lazy to go listen to it back. But I will go annotate everything in the description for this episode. So if you want to just like hop right to the the songs, you can go do that in the description of today's episode. Anyway, I hope you love it. All right, now on with the show. There's going to be like an awkward cut here. It is what it is. All right, bye. Let's get into Speak Now. It's one of my favorites. And the reason why it's one of my favorites is really because it's a rich text. It is a rich text. It is Taylor Swift at her core, the best. Like, I think it's before folklore. It's like the height of her songwriting. Really, like, I, and I mean, we, I know that we have read with All Too Well and everything. And like, there's little peaks and stuff. But like, if you're looking at all of her albums as a whole. And you're looking for which ones have like the most lyrically like dense poetic lyrics I think that you're really looking at speak now folklore and uh and evermore so I love it for that reason I love the era that she was kind of in I was like a very big Jonas Brothers fan during this time or actually I think like my Jonas Brothers phase had like kind of faded and then I was kind of like starting to become like taken over by Taylor Swift it was like early in my high school years I was a sophomore and everything about her like public persona and like the way that she was catering to fans online I was like eating up so where were we when Speak Now was released and when I say we I mean Taylor Swift it was at the height of um like the commentary on her dating life of like well don't date her she'll just write a song about you and she played into that a lot she would like go on the Ellen show she would play like, would you date these guys games? Like things that you would never, like that Taylor Swift wouldn't do for $25 million today. Like she was in public 
really playing into this whole persona of like, I am dating, I have been heartbroken, and I'm taking the power, and I'm like going to write about it. And that was kind of like her. I know that she talks about how she didn't like how in this phase of her career, it was treated like it was a trick instead of like a craft. But really, it was kind of in it like it kind of was a what what's the word I want to say like a product of the marketing of how they they meaning like Taylor and her camp were like marketing her was like if you date her or if you wrong her she will take the power back from you and she will write a song about it and so she would talk about it publicly very often so we were at the height of like don't date her she'll write a song about you we were also at the height of um the excited face at award shows it was like just kind of at the end of the speak now uh, album cycle where the like the oh my gosh I just won face like kind of was becoming um like overexposed and she was becoming kind of like more self-aware of it and you know it, it started to slowly fade away so then by the time we got to the red album the excited I can't believe I just won face was basically gone except for when she was like actually shocked but unfortunately remember she like didn't really win anything for red like grammys wise so we i don't know but then like by the time we got to 1989 it went from fearless speak now oh my gosh i can't believe i'm here i'm so surprised that was the first time i just walked up these steps like remember her like first grammy win speech it was like this is the first time i walked up these steps we went from like that excitement to at 1989 we got a taylor swift who was like I am here. I am the music industry. Thank you for recognizing my hard work, you know? Anyway, so that's kind of where we were at with Taylor Swift um, during the Speak Now era. Um, Speak Now was famously supposed to be named Enchanted. And then um, Scott Bruschetta famously said it should not be called Enchanted. What else can we convey? And then they decided to call it Speak Now after the song Speak Now on the album. Um, Which... I don't know. I mean, Enchanted is definitely like a way better song. I feel like Speak Now doesn't even crack my like top 125 Taylor Swift songs, you know, where Enchanted is like my number two of all time. But if you're like encapsulating a a feeling and like what you want to do and like what you're trying to convey in the album Speak Now, I guess like is a good name for that. So, and then also, as we probably all know, this is her only completely self-written album so she wrote all of these songs herself there was a bonus track called um if this were a movie um and she wrote that she did have like one co-writer on it and randomly a couple of like like two months ago they just kind of slipped it onto spotify the taylor's version of that song and then they put it underneath red and to me, everybody said, like, Speak Now is definitely coming next, which, I mean, we knew that because of the Bejeweled music video and, like, other signs. But to me, that really signified that Speak Now was coming and an announcement was, like, eminent because they took the one song that was not self-written by her and then they just kind of, like, rewrote history and slipped it onto red so then they could say Speak Now, Taylor's version in its entirety is a Taylor Swift self-written album. So, anyway, that's all the context that you need for Speak Now. Again, incredible album. So I wanted to first, before we hop into the songs, kind of talk about the album booklet 
we got very in-depth album booklets until Reputation. Well, with Reputation, we got like these like journal things and she wrote her poems and she said like there will be no explanation, only Reputation. But before that, for debut, Fearless Speak Now, Red and 1989, we got the full album booklets with the prologue and then we got the uh, liner notes, which had the clues as to which uh, song every song was about, which person every song was about or thing or feeling or whatever. So I just wanted to hop into the prologue just really quick before we get into each song. Uh, Part of what she wrote was, these songs are made up of the words I didn't say when the moment was right in front of me. These songs are open letters. Each is written with a specific person in mind, telling them what I meant to tell them in person. To the beautiful boy whose heart I broke in December, to my first love who I never thought would be my first heartbreak, to my band, to a mean man I used to be afraid of, to someone who made my world very dark for a while, to a girl who stole something of mine, to someone I forgive for what he said in front of the whole world. Words can break someone into a million pieces, but they can also put them back together. I hope you use your, yours for good because the only words you'll regret more than the ones left unsaid are the words you use intentionally to hurt someone. What you say might be too much for some people. Maybe it will come out all wrong and you'll stutter and maybe you'll walk away embarrassed, wincing as you play it all back in your head. But I think the words that you stop yourself from saying are the ones that will haunt you the longest. So say them or say it to yourself in the mirror or say it in a letter that you'll never send or a book that millions might read someday. I think you deserve to look back on your life without a chorus of resounding voices saying, I could have, but it's too late now. There is a time for silence. There is a time for waiting your turn. But if you know how you feel, and you so clearly know what you need to say, you'll know it. I don't think you should wait. I think you should speak now. Love, Taylor. P.S. Sorry, that was very loud. P.S. To all the boys who inspired this album, you should have known. And then that is the end. And then it leads into the album. How pleasant. Um, so yeah, that kind of packs a punch, right? And I think that that like, mentality is important to keep in mind when we're going into this album. Because again, that kind of like plays back into... She's in the press and she's kind of fine talking about whatever. And like when Katie Couric asks her about Dear John and she goes, oh, come on, like give me a break or whatever. Where like now she, whether it's like the media training that she now has, obviously she was media trained back then, but like the media training or just the perspective or whatever, she keeps like her cards a lot closer to her chest now. Where back in the day, it really was like, speak now, say whatever you want, because like I'm Taylor freaking Swift and nobody is going to, you know, come at me. And succeed, except for when they do. But that's like a darker time and I don't want to talk about it. But anyway, let's hop into it. So track number one, now that we're 15 minutes into the episode, track number one is mine. Um, Mine is a rich text. It gives us the amazing lyric of you made a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter. And the liner note, which again are like the little hidden notes that she writes in every album booklet where the letters to some words are capitalized. You take all the capital letters together, you put them together, it makes out a word or a sentence, and then that kind of gives you a clue as to what each song is about. The liner note in this one just says Toby, which doesn't really tell us too much because um, it's about the guy named Toby Hemingway guy. He's an actor, a British actor. Um, his name is Tommy, Tommy, Toby Hemingway. Um, and he played her boyfriend in the mine music video. So that, that liner note, like doesn't really tell us that much. And when we look over Taylor Swift history and like the songs that we can like definitely assign to somebody versus like people that we have a pretty good clue based on like some context clues, um, who it's about, uh, 
the subject for this song is likely Corey Monteith, the late great Corey Monteith who played Finn on Glee. Why do we think that, Mary? Why do we think that the song is about Corey Monteith? Really? This is one where I don't completely back it. I think I put like maybe 40% stock in this theory. Um, and I would maybe put 30% stock in this theory, except for the fact that like Taylor Swift has never negated this claim. That gives it like an extra like 10 to 20% of likelihood. But around the time that she was writing this album, there were these pictures of her and Corey Monteith who were rumored to be dating. Like they were in the, the very beginning stages of dating. He was on again, off again with Leah Michelle at this time. There were pictures of them down by the water. And when she talks about this song, she says, I was inspired to write the song when I was sitting there by, by the water with a guy I was just starting to get to know and just starting to date. And I saw what could like potentially be our whole life flash in front of our eyes. So then I was inspired to go home and write the song mine. So it kind of tracks. So I put the song in the Corey Monteith column if for anything, just because I like to think about Corey Monteith and I, I think that that was like the first celebrity death other than Amy Winehouse that like really, really like struck me. Does everybody remember where they were when Corey Monteith died? Not to be a bummer, but that was like a very, very shocking one. Anyway, that one is probably about Corey Monteith. Again, we don't have that much uh, proof, but the fact that she's never negated the claim and she probably, and I mean, when she, I mean like a source close to, which always means like somebody that like knows Taylor Swift they would probably come out and say not about Corey Monteith, but no one's ever said that. So I feel fine putting that one in the Corey Monteith column. But if one day I'm proven wrong, I'll go, okay, that's, that's fine. Anyway, track number two is Sparks Fly. Um, the hidden message and the liner notes for this one is Portland, Oregon. Um, this song is about country singer Jake Owen. So she wrote the song Sparks Fly um, after she was playing for her crush, she says, um, Jake Owen, in a bar in Portland, Oregon. It seemed like she was like kind of opening up for him. She was only 16. And there is a version of the song that has like different lyrics. And the different lyrics to the song point way more to Jake Owen and kind of to like the time that she had when she was an opener for him and when they were playing together. So this one is pretty much in the Jake Owen category. Some of the lyrics, let me see if I could like Google them really fast and pull them up. Some of the original lyrics were, let's see, verse one, the way you move is like a full on rainstorm. I'm a house of cards. We know that. Um, you say my name for the first time, baby, and I fall in love in an empty bar. And I mean, remember she was like, 16 at this point so fall in love in an empty bar she would have to be there in a professional setting unless this is like a Chili's bar and grill situation um and you stood there in front of me just close enough to touch blah 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 blah, blah. I mean I'm not blah blah blahing through lyrical masterpiece but um let's see so reach out open-handed and lean me out to the floor I don't need no more paper lanterns take me down baby bring on the movie bring on the movie score because my heart is being fast and you're beautiful. I could wait patiently, but I really wish you would drop everything now. Um, let's see. Is there anything else that points to Jake Owen in this? Hmm. I feel like there's like an extra verse 
that's missing here. You guys can independently research it. But anyway, that song is about um, Jake Owen. And I'm always surprised that it wasn't on Fearless because like timeline wise, it should have been on Fearless. But and she did play it live many times while promoting Fearless. But just it was never published until she did Speak Now. So anyway, Speak Now is about country singer Jake Owen. Anyway, next we have Back to December, which it's no it's no secret or surprise. It's about Taylor Lautner. Um, the, she's like been incredibly open about this one, and she I bet you she doesn't even need to be incredibly open about it because not only can we put the lyrics together timeline wise that like she was with Taylor Lautner that one September night, the first time you ever saw me cry, that September night meaning the night that she was embarrassed in public by Kanye West at the VMAs. Taylor Lautner notably just stood there during that time, you know? But anyway, even if we couldn't put it together timeline wise through the lyrics and through context clues, whatever, I bet you a million dollars that Taylor Lautner himself probably would just let us know that it's about him because his entire brand right now is being a newlywed to somebody that shares his same name now, Taylor Lautner, and um, being Taylor Swift adjacent. And there's also like all these rumors that he's about to be in a Taylor Swift music video with Joey King. Those rumors do track for me because Taylor Swift was filming a music video in England the same time these rumors came out. And Joey King was in the mean music video. So this might just kind of be like a callback to that. But Taylor Lautner is like really milking this whole album cycle for everything it's worth. I, if I were him, I would be doing nothing but making Twilight content. Every single day you can turn out something new. I mean, I don't need to hear him say, Bella, where the hell have you been, Loka, anymore? Because he has made like at least 16 TikToks about that. And I don't need any more of that content. But there's still like Twilight itself, even just the movies that are such like a rich text. He could be doing reenactments every single day. He could be reading it line by line if he wanted to. I actually don't even know why we don't have like a Twilight commentary podcast from him yet. I know that Ashley Green has hers. What's Taylor Lautner doing? I know what he's doing. He's aligning himself with Taylor Swift publicly at every chance he can get. Anyway, um, that was a Taylor, uh, Taylor Lautner related tangent. Uh, probably brought on by the fact that I'm, uh, you know, diehard die team Edward person. So I have inherent Taylor Lautner biases. But anyway, back to this, back to December is about Taylor Lautner. Notably, it is one of the first times she admits, um, that she like ever like apologized in song form. So it kind of just talks about like a relationship gone wrong because she didn't put in what he was putting into it, you know, and then it ended on her terms and she felt sorry about that. So anyway, that is back to December about Taylor Lautner. All right, next up we have track number four, which is Speak Now. The liner note in that is you always regret what you don't say. This is like one of the things I need to like talk to the Taylor Swift fan community about. I feel like the Taylor Swift Swifty universe has like concocted this very romantic idea of what they think the song is about. When we have like the actual text from Taylor Swift and it's not what people think it's about. So people love to say that this song is about Haley Williams and how Haley Williams of Paramore was attending the wedding of Josh Farrow, Farrow, Josh Farrow, um, a former member of Paramore, of her band. Um, and it's like her ex-boyfriend. People love to say that it's about that. And I mean, like on paper, yeah, sure, like that kind of tracks, whatever. But Taylor Swift, when the song was written and when it came out, 
She said she was sitting in her tour bus with her band. A member of her band was talking about how this fling she had in high school was getting married. She got an invitation. She doesn't know if she should go. And Taylor Swift said, well, are you going to go? Are you going to go like pull a speak now? And then the people didn't know like a speak now. And she goes like speak now or forever. Hold your peace. Like when you go and you stop the wedding from happening. So anyway, so back in the day, she said it was about a member of her band. So I don't know. All the TikTok girlies love to say that it's about Haley Williams. If you want to believe it's about Haley Williams, cool, that's fine. Haley Williams um, is going to be on the Taylor's version of this album in the vault tracks, which I think is very exciting. Maybe we'll get more insight there. Maybe the song will be a continuation of the story or something like what happens after the wedding or something. I don't know, but... All I'm saying is that we have Taylor Swift explaining that it was a member of her band, but then everyone has just kind of been like, Haley Williams' ex-boyfriend got married and Haley Williams and Taylor Swift were friends. So that's what the song is about. So anyway, it's it's not that big of a deal, but it's just something, you know, that, that happens frequently that, you know, that I just wanted to bring to everybody's attention. Anyway, that's Speak Now. Number five. Number five. It's time for Dear John. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay. I am coming here as a neutral party who is here to relay facts and my opinions, <laughs> which I guess is what I've been doing this whole time. I'm relaying facts and my opinions, but I am a fan of Taylor Swift. Also, I'm a John Mayer fan. Uh, but when I say I'm a John Mayer fan, not a fan of the personality. And I'm not even saying that like just to save face. But like I, when I say like, oh, but I'm also a John Mayer fan, his music like means a lot to me. I really like him. I think he was definitely a douchebag. I think he said some horribly racist and hurtful things. 13 to 14 years ago. Not that I could excuse that behavior. Not that any apologies that he ever says on that subject are really even mine to accept. As I am a white woman who, you know, can be, can recognize that words are hurtful and horrible and that people shouldn't say them and stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm not like the one being hurt by saying, by him saying horrible things naming member parts of his body after members of the KKK. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, search John Mayer Playboy interview. This all happened at the same time. I have read the John Mayer excerpts of uh, Jessica Simpson's book. They're not great. That being said, I believe in growth and change. And I'm not going to like come on here and say that he was like the most horrible man of all time. That will probably get me like canceled or whatever. Um, but 19 was too young. At the end of the day, even if he was like a great guy, even if we didn't have all these like other horrible, like, you know, back texts about him and histories and horrible things that he's said, 19 was still too young. If you're 32, I mean, like I'm 28 right now. Thinking about even talking to a 19 year old for more than like five minutes makes me like want to like shiver like in a bad way if that's not clear to everybody 
like I don't know how I would like really hold on a conversation with like a 19 year old potential romantic interest like what do you even have in common so like being 32 and being like 10 years into your career or whatever talking to like a young woman who again I mean like she's an adult she has like accountability but you know it doesn't it doesn't really matter like there are power dynamics at play there is age at play 19 was too young I hope he agrees now that's all I'm trying to say anyway let's talk about dear John obviously it's about John Mayer um there's like obviously so many things that point to it he's acknowledged the song one time when I went to his show because again John Mayer fan I've been to four of his shows oops um he talked about like I went to this one show where it was him and Dave Chappelle and we had to like put our cell phones in like one of those like little like you lock your phone up pouches things and he was talking about how Taylor Swift wrote a song and it wasn't even a good song because it was written in like a really slow time signature and he was like the song it wasn't offensive to me it was like the time signature that was offensive which again here I am being like people can grow and change but like that was four years ago when I saw him and he said that and like that's like also like not a great thing to say because I mean he has some songs that are not hits you know dear John pains me to talk about because I feel like there's like a lot of nuance that we could add to it. What do we know about Taylor Swift and John Mayer's relationship? Not to see like this is where I feel like I'm like treading on like, you know, unsteady waters here. She's totally justified in writing the song. This is one of her best songs of all time. Anybody that ever like negs on her like songwriting ability or her ability as an artist like you just need to listen to dear john it's obviously a masterpiece and it obviously came from a very raw and hurt place the nuance i want to add to it which again doesn't excuse john mayer in any way you guys all recognize that i'm saying that is if we look at the timeline these things happened over a four-week period where I've seen like somebody make like a historical timeline of like their relationship and like all the times that they'd seen to get seen each other during that time. We don't really know that because like I, I saw a TikTok where it was like, here's the timeline, like every single time that they saw each other during that four week period. And it was like five times. But I mean, like we don't really know that for sure. But we do know that it was like a short amount of time. And again, this is not negating her feelings at all. Say it with me. Taylor Swift is totally valid in writing Dear John and writing Would Have, Could Have, Should Have in feeling hurt and in being very, very betrayed and wronged by John Mayer. That being said, when we take what we know about Dear John in their relationship, and we take what we know about All Too Well and her relationship and how serious things got with Jake Gyllenhaal and things got serious to a different level. All I'm trying to say is, okay, I'm, I'm like trying to like talk so slowly and like try not to like get in trouble because when I've talked about this before, it sounds like I'm like being like a victim blaming mean girl saying that like her trauma wasn't hard enough and don't talk about her virginity or whatever. Taylor Swift has all but confirmed that Jake Gyllenhaal, that she lost her virginity to Jake Gyllenhaal. When she did the Tribeca Film Festival Q&A, she confirmed that the scarf was a metaphor. 
the the scarf that she left at the sister's house was a metaphor for virginity. She confirmed that. So the nuance that I'm trying to add to Dear John and would have, could have, should have is there is this picture that John Mayer, although there's this like this illusion that John Mayer like stole her virginity and left her out in the street and was horrible, horrible, horrible to her. I believe that he was horrible to her, horrible, horrible, horrible to her. And she was totally justified in how she feels. But it's, it's just like an extra, like, okay, what I'm trying to say, the, the non-politically correct thing is, I do not believe that their relationship was ever that serious, or at least it wasn't to John Mayer, which I mean, obviously we know it wasn't that serious to John Mayer. But it seems to me like it was like a little bit of a fling. John Mayer then went on to say, like to Rolling Stone, he said, that song came completely out of nowhere for me. I was very humiliated because I wasn't expecting that and I did not think I deserved that at all. Obviously, is somebody that behaves badly and treats women really badly and says really messed up things, is he probably like the best judge for right and wrong and like whether or not he deserves like reprimand publicly? No, probably not. But... I do think when you listen to the song, the interesting backstory and the context of them possibly, like to me, it just adds to the song. Do you guys like like how I've like spent like 10 minutes now trying to like not paint myself into a corner? I'm just making it worse and worse and worse to me. To me, why I like the song so much is because given what we know about her relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal, and John Mayer's words saying that came completely out of nowhere for me. I was not expecting that at all. I did not deserve that based on my behavior. It makes it so compelling to me that like this was kind of like one of those like young love things where you're young, you're in it, and you think that things are way more serious than they are. Like that's like an important, interesting layer to the song to me. Because when I reflect upon like my own life, I had many of those like little things too, where like really, like I look back on them and I'm like, I cried for how long about that guy? And I like only like kissed him twice. Why did I cry so long about that guy? And I only kissed him twice, you know? Anyway, do we all agree that A, I just talked for too long about this and B, that we could add context to Dear John and I don't know, like listen to it through a different lens. That's all I'm trying to say. Not a bad lens. Not a lens in which Taylor Swift was ever in the wrong for writing the song. She she could have written the song and 50 more like it. And a man who was 32 that broke somebody's heart when they were 19 would deserve them all. But again, it's just context. Again, as like a Taylor Swift historian, I see the narrative that's always like played out about their relationship. And I'm like, but that's just like, no, what really happened? Listen to me, please. Anyway. I'm going to get in trouble for all those things I just said, and I regret them all already. Anyway, track number six is Mean. Um, it is notably about podcaster and Instagram tryhard Mary Arndt of the I Just Want to Chat podcast who came on the internet and said uh, things making John Mayer sound like a little less bad. Um, that's who the song Mean is about. Just kidding. The song Mean, um, the liner note is I Thought You Got Me, and the song is about a blogger um, and just like very famous music critic 
named Bob Lepsis. I never know how to like pronounce his name. I know how to spell it because I like have typed it out so many times over the years, but um, Bob Lepsis, Lepsis. Anyway, he's like a big name in the music industry. And after she performed um, with Stevie Nicks uh, at the Grammys, the night that she won for Fearless, he wrote like something very mean, just kind of like ripping apart her vocal performance on the Grammys. And I mean, she did not sound great at the Grammys, but it was a very mean and mean-hearted post. Um, he also like accused her, I think, of like using auto-tune. And then she like came back and she was like, you could say whatever you want about my music, but like you, I, I don't use auto-tune. And that's another thing. I don't know. When you listen to some of the Speak Now tour tapes, tapes as if I like listen to cassettes like when you listen to some of those recordings especially 1989 you can tell she has some like reverb and stuff on on the audio like it there is some auto-tune and stuff but the the guy's blog post was mean anyway it's in response to that mean is pretty self-explanatory it's a good song anyway uh, number seven is the story of the liner note about the story of us says CMT awards and she famously saw John Mayer at the CMT awards uh, shortly after their breakup. She was there performing and just, you know, being a country music superstar like she's there for multiple reasons. Uh, but John Mayer was there. He was performing with Keith Urban. Um, she says this about the event. Let me see. I have the, the quote pulled up. We were sitting six feet, six seats away from each other and just fighting the silent war of, I don't care that you're here. I don't care that you're here. It's so terribly, heartbreakingly awkward. Um, and then when she like went home, she talked to her mom and she said, I felt like I was standing alone in a crowded room. And then she wrote a song about it. So anyway, that's what the story of us is about. I think the story of us is kind of like a slept on song. It's a good one. Anyway, I mean, these are all good ones. That's why I'm here. Dang it. But just, I'm just saying the story of us is really good. Um, number eight is Never Grow Up. It's a pretty self-explanatory song about growing up. The liner note is I moved out in July. And it's about how she moved out of her house in July, you know. Number nine. One of my favorite pieces of Taylor Swift folklore, if I may use that term is that Taylor Swift wrote one of her best songs, my second favorite Taylor Swift song of all time, Enchanted, about Adam from the Owl City, from 10 Million Fireflies Man, about that man. She met him, and she was inspired to write one of the most heartbreakingly intensely romantic songs about meeting someone and the hope of that moment of hoping that they're not with somebody else of hoping that it could that this could be something and she wrote it about the guy from owl city it's it's amazing it is amazing um it says that the two when i say it i mean i just like googled the annotation just to pull the quote from Adam here. Um, but it says the two had chatted online and over the phone before meeting for the first time at a party. So she meets Owl City Man. She is 
instantly enchanted to meet him. And then she goes home and writes one of the best songs ever. We don't have much more from her about this song. Obviously, she wanted to name the album after it. She was very proud of it. It's the only song from the Eras, on the Eras tour that's like on the set list. And it's probably, even though like she's had all these singles from Speak Now, other than Dear John because of like what it you know, represents, I'd say Enchanted is definitely like the biggest song from that album. We don't have much from her about this song, but we do have what Adam um, said because Adam from the Owl City took it upon himself for Valentine's Day after the song was released, probably two years after their initial meeting. Once the boat had left the harbor, was out at sea, there was no chance that they'd ever be together. He made a video on Valentine's Day of his own cover of the song Enchanted. And at the end, he decides to say, Taylor, I was so in love with you. After a one chance, like one time meeting, which I think just puts him in the category of weird dude. But anyway, he wrote this message to go with the uh, re-recording that he made to give to her on Valentine's Day. Uh, in public for attention he wrote dearest taylor i'll be the first to admit i'm rather i'm a rather shy boy and since music is the most eloquent form of communication i can muster i decided to record something for you as sort of a reply to the breathtaking song on your current record this is what i wanted so badly to tell you in person but could never quite put into words everything about you is beautiful he's right there um, you're an immensely charming girl with a wonderful heart and more grace and elegance than I know how to describe. You are a true princess from a dreamy fairy tale, a modern Cinderella. I'm terribly sorry it's taken me such a long time to reply, but I figured Valentine's Day was the perfect time to write this note to you and simply say I was enchanted to meet you too. Love, Adam. Despite their mutual feelings, the two never officially dated. Years later, Taylor dated a different Adam, um, aka Calvin Harris. Anyway... It's cringy. It's cringy. And it sucks. I wish that the song... I mean, I'm being hard on the man. My husband actually really likes the Owl City, like, unironically, where I was like, should I get him Owl City concert tickets for, like, his birthday or something? Because the Owl City, the band, him, Adam Young, is coming to Vegas soon. And then I was like, because mm, now I'm just picturing us in, like, a room full of teenagers, like... I'm pretty sure he's playing at a bowling alley here. I don't know. But anyway, I'm being hard on the man, but it would be fun if the song was about anyone else. Like, I mean, on 1989, we have songs about Alexander Skarsgård, Harry Styles. It could have been about anyone. She had Enchanted in her arsenal, and then she she gave it to to Adam Young. Congratulations to Adam Young. Anyway, that's Enchanted. Next we have Better Than Revenge. I hope, one of my biggest hopes about this new album cycle for Taylor's version of Speak Now is that we could all find it within ourselves to just kind of like put the feminism to bed for a little bit. I know that for a long time it was a big discussion of like, what is she going to say about better than revenge is she going to re-record it what's she going to do 
And I knew that she was always going to re-record it. She hasn't like publicly talked about it at all. It's I don't think it's going to be a surprise song or anything. Maybe I'll eat my words, but I don't think it will ever be like a surprise song. I don't think that she'd say it's like a song that she's proud of or anything. What I'm anticipating is that if she ever says anything about the song Better Than Revenge, which is about Joe Jonas and Camilla Bell, Taylor Swift and Joe Jonas were together. And then the implication is that Joe Jonas cheated on Camilla Bell. One of the most insane nights of my youth life, and I've led a very crazy youth. My teenage years were a little insane. I was a little unhinged. I got into trouble often. And let me confidently tell you that one of the most insane nights of my young teen life was when I was 13 and Joe Jonas decided to write a blog post on MySpace responding to Taylor Swift's claims that he had cheated on her with Camilla Bell. The blog post was up for maybe seven minutes and then it got deleted. And this was like on their, when I say blog, this was on MySpace. This was on like their blog thing that you could post on MySpace. It was up only for a little bit. I caught it in real time. I was on a million different like fan pages on MySpace for the Jonas Brothers. We were ready to set the world on fire. We were enraged. And this was before the song Better Than Revenge came out, but she had she had accused Joe Jonas of cheating and he was with Camilla Bell. And so he wrote out this blog post and it's like even hard to find on the internet. I've found copies of it before and I will track it down and post it to my Instagram story. But one of the craziest nights of my life, I remember my mom was like asking me to do something and I like, I think I might've even told her straight up, shut up, I'm doing something right now. Like I remember like the response from my mom was very angry because of how I wrapped up I was in this moment, but it was a moment and I remember it vividly. Anyway, Better Than Revenge is about this and people say it's not a feministy song because it's about Camilla Bell taking her man from him. Um, but to be honest, I don't think it's a very unfeministy song because I feel like you are allowed to be mad if at the person who your spouse cheats on you with, if they know that you're in a relationship. Like I, I don't think it's unfeminist to say if somebody willingly goes with a tanky taken man that, that they're like a bad person or that they're making bad choices, you know? Anyway, but I anticipate if she's ever going to say anything about this song, it will probably be like, I've learned, I've grown or whatever. I would love to use this opportunity to donate all the proceeds from this one song to Rain or to some kind of like female centric charity, something like that. That's kind of my, my, uh, what I anticipate. So anyway, the liner note for Better Than Revenge is you thought I would forget. And again, the song has the famous words. She's not a saint. She's not what you think. She's an actress. She's better known for the things that she does on the mattress. Whoa. Anyway, that's better than revenge. Track number 11 is Innocent. It is about Kanye West. We all kind of know that. Uh, the liner note says life is full of little interruptions. Little known fact, Kanye West interrupted Taylor Swift when she was accepting an award um at the mtv video music awards in 2009 
he actually like he ran up on stage it was kind of crazy he ran up there uh when she was like there holding her microphone taylor lautner was on the stage too and beyond he said that beyonce should have gotten the award so then she was like kind of upset about it it was kind of like a thing for a really long time anyway also random about like that night very cursed vmas that's the night this part's not cursed but that's the night that or that lady gaga performed paparazzi like that amazing performance and she was only 23 back then can you believe it um that's also like when little mama like ran on stage with jay-z and alicia keys to perform like that was weird it was an odd, odd night. But anyway, that's what Innocent is about. Um, number 12, we have Haunted. Um, the liner note says, still to this day, this is another um, like story that I want the Taylor Swift fan community to just think logically about. Somewhere along the way, there was a rumor that the song Haunted was meant to be on the New Moon soundtrack. For the Twilight movies. And people said it's because Taylor Lautner and Taylor Swift were together. Well, first of all, that timeline doesn't match up. Second of all, Taylor Swift was actually offered a role on New Moon to just kind of be like in the high school. And then they like decided that it would be too distracting. There is nothing actually like written on paper or like on the internet. There's actually like no proof that the song Haunted was ever supposed to be on the New Moon soundtrack at all. It's just kind of like something that it seems like people made up because like the vibe kind of fits Haunted or if it's New Moon. But like also let's think about this logically. If New Moon had the opportunity to put a Taylor Swift song on their album, they're definitely like going to do it like on their soundtrack. So I, I don't believe the New Moon thing. This is kind of one that I just put under like general vibe. You could probably attribute it to John Mayer. You know, that seems to be the relationship that she was hurt the most by during this time. Some people say Joe Jonas. Because um, also what's important to remember about Joe Jonas and Speak Now is a lot of people will attribute Fearless as like the Joe Jonas album because she was able to like slip. Like they broke up right as she was entering that album cycle. Like I think that they broke up a couple weeks before the album actually like went out and last minute she was able to put um forever and always on the album but because it was so last minute we didn't actually get like the bulk of her songwriting so i think that a lot of the speak now songs really are about him so haunted i would put in the joe or in the john mayer category um the liner note for that one says still to this day so who knows anyway 13 we have last kiss and we know that the song is about Joe Jonas for multiple reasons. Number one, the liner note says forever and always. And that song confirmed from Taylor Swift's mouth on the Ellen DeGeneres show was about Joe Jonas. She said, I wrote a song about this breakup. It's called Forever and Always. I put it on the album really quickly. So the liner note, Forever and Always, it's obviously about Joe. But then there's also like little tidbits on there like, that July 9th, the beat of your heart. There's that like picture of her actually walking off the plane on July 9th to meet him. It, it, it's about Joe Jonas. We all know it. Um, and I think that's like one of the songs I'm most excited to hear the Taylor's version of. If anything, just for the like 
the little inhale that she takes during the bridge where it goes I'm not gonna recreate it you all know what I'm talking about I was about to do it for a second and then I'm like why am I gonna do that on on the air on on the podcast you know anyway number 14 we have long live the hidden message is for you and it's just kind of like to her fans people say I always say it's to me because fun fact about me I was a homecoming queen in high school I kind of peaked there and I always say like I'm able to relate to every Taylor Swift song and she even gave me this one to relate to but anyway it's just kind of for the fans she's probably gonna do it her last night of the era's tour huh probably that's what I think anyway the uh bonus tracks for this album are if we were a movie or if this were a movie not if we were a movie from Hannah Montana uh if this were a movie we have like no liner notes or anything probably about John Mayer and then we have Superman uh we know that that one is about John Mayer even though it's like not that lyrically dense but in that song it says I loved you from the very first day and in the Dear John liner note it says loved you from the very first day so we can infer that superman is about john mayer because that's the liner note for dear john and then we have ours um who is also about john mayer (laughs) and i do love those tweets where it's like ladies know that like ours and uh dear john are written by like the same person you know because ours is like such like a romantic nice song talks about tattoos it talks about the gap in your teeth john mayer has both it's a pretty you know clear that that one is about john mayer anyway how did we do a little under an hour that's good i hope that you all love this episode of the i just want to chat podcast i cannot wait for taylor's version of speak now to come out it thrills me i'm very very excited i'm not excited to ever listen to this episode back because i definitely talked about dear john for too long and i could have conveyed that point in about like a minute and a half but now like there's no going back now right I hope you all understand what I was trying to convey in that and I hope that you all took something important from this episode uh I don't know what that would be but if you took something important from it let me know you can find me on Instagram at, at I just want to chat podcast you can find me on TikTok at, at I just want to chat podcast you could you know DM me text me whatever if you want to subscribe to the pod if you want to leave a review for the podcast i would be eternally grateful and you can also go to today's sponsor vidangel um go to vidangel.com and use our promo code want to chat for two weeks free trial a two-week free trial of the vidangel service i think that it's like a super easy way to kind of clean up some movies and uh, tv shows that you might kind of find questionable to like show your kids or whatever it's like a really good tool to have in your back pocket at home for all your home watching needs anyway i hope you all enjoyed today's episode and i will see you in two weeks we're going to take next week off for fourth of july because you know i'm going to be busy i'm going to be in utah every single fourth of july i love to make one of those like Ina garden uh american flag cakes which is actually a tradition that i started when I was a teenager because Taylor Swift did it. So now this is a full circle moment. We're all still talking about Taylor Swift. We're all still talking about Ina Garden. We're talking about 4th of July. And I will see you in two weeks from now. I love you all. Goodbye.